Well, I just want to get right into the Word. And uh, Holy Spirit, you lead us. It's your leading. You inspired the Word to be written. The Word says, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will remind you. He will bring to remembrance. He'll tell you what to write. And then they pen down the story of Jesus and the testimonies and the miracles and preserved this word for us. So we just thank you, Lord, that it is here today. That it is here. We have this word. It is so good. There's so much life in the word. You know that there's life in the word. There's life in his word. And we just thank you. Again, I just want to pray one last time. Is that okay that we pray in church? <laughs> Holy Spirit, right now. Holy Spirit. I just pray. Pray over this whole region. Just pray for this Hudson Valley right now. Lord, we want you. We thank you, Lord. Lord, many, many people have gone before us and paved the way, Lord. Your own blood was shed for us, but Lord, many, many, many men and women paved the way, Lord, and they planted churches across this entire region, Lord. And the graves are filled, Lord, with people who sought to bring the kingdom of God into this region. And I thank you, Lord, that your heart is still in that, Lord, that has not died. The region, Lord, has, has changed. The people have changed, Lord, but your spirit is still desiring to do, Lord, what you started, to revive this region, Lord. I thank you, Lord, even New York, Lord, where this, we even had our first capital, Lord. The whole nation was anchored to this region. And we just thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have not forgotten about this nation and even this specific region, Lord God. And we just want to be submitted to you. We want you, Lord, to do it. We don't want to do it. But Lord, we pray for every single heart, Lord, every hurting heart in this valley right now, I pray for the love of Jesus to penetrate their heart. I pray for the love of Jesus to go, Lord, out from this place right now and to touch their hearts and show them, Lord, that you care for them, that you love them. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God is good. I want to get right into his word. And I just want to open, just want to open up where I left off last week. I just want to read some verses to you from the book of Jude. It's only one chapter long. It's very rarely preached from, but there's so much truth in it. And I just want to just uh, read some verses and then springboard from there into today. And we have in Jude chapter 1, I don't want to preach all of last week's sermon, but I just want to just breeze through. And so I'm going to go through this quickly. But verse 4, Jude 1 verse 4 says, I say this, it says, some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. It tells us here in Jude that there was a people that would come into the church. They would come in and, and pretend to be Christians or be amongst Christians and twist God's grace, turn God's plan and God's purpose and the grace that Jesus purchased into something else, twisting it and perverting it. And it says to allow us to live immoral lives, the condemnation of such people was, record, was recorded long ago, for they have denied 
our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. So really, it's a denial of Jesus. See, grace and what Jesus did on the cross go hand in hand. If you believe in Jesus, you must believe in the true grace of Jesus Christ. It is all about grace. It is all about love. It is such an amazing thing to understand and to walk in God's grace, to walk in His mercy and in His love. It's an unfathomable thing. We really fully can't understand it, but it is amazing, and we know it because we experience it internally. It's not something we can even talk about, but we know it. Who's experienced God's grace? Who knows God's grace in your heart? It's an amazing, amazing thing. But there is also a twisting of that grace. And in doing that, it's really denial of who Jesus is. And it says in verse 10, um, but these people, they scoff at things they do not understand. So there is a people that deny the Lord Jesus. They twist grace and they don't understand. Everybody say they don't understand. It's out of a lack of understanding. It says that they are unthinking animals. See, animals just do what feels right, right? Animals, they fight for survival, right? We have a cat, and she, she seems so sweet and innocent when you just look at her, and she's standing by the windows, and she's just looking outside so sweet and innocent. And I said to Dawn, she's looking at those birds. She's thinking, kill, kill. That's what she's thinking. I want to kill you. I want to kill you. I want to get outside and come kill you. Now, she's sweet to us. She's not sweet to guests and visitors. Everybody thinks she's an awful cat. She's very sweet to me. But she's thinking kill because she's an animal, right? There's the animal instinct. The animal nature is, is survival. It's, it's not, we are not animals, right? We've been made separate. God made all the animals, and then he breathed his spirit into us, right? He didn't just breathe oxygen into us, right? They had oxygen. Animals were living. He breathed his spirit into us. We are not animal, but there is a people, they scoff, they don't understand, they're like animals, and they do, everybody say, they do whatever their instincts tell them. So there's an instinctual-led people, and we cannot be led by an instinct. We cannot be led by a feeling. Last week we talked about you cannot be led by feelings. And I want to bring that into the next part is I preached about we can't be led by feelings. We must be led by the Holy Spirit. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit. You cannot be led by your feelings and your feelings will be so strong. And see, what's amazing to me, when I look at that cat and I'm thinking, who taught you that? She was rescued at maybe less than a week old, rescued from the wild, less than a week old. What taught her to kill, to survive? What taught her? In fact, this is a, a funny thing. When she eats, she rubs her paw next to the food on the floor as if she's burying the instinct, what they would do is, right, the, the animal would eat and then they bury their leftovers. What, what told her to do that? There's like a, there's a, a programmed DNA in her nature, right? In just being a cat, there's something pre-programmed. What you need to understand is that you were made in the perfect image of God. You were perfectly formed and made in the image of God. But then something happened. Adam and Eve, they sinned and they took us out of perfection, out of the garden, and we were clothed with skin. Do you know the scripture, what it says? It says that they were ashamed. Adam and Eve were ashamed. 
All right, they had sinned against God and shame had come. And so God put skins on them. God put clothing on them. God put a nature, he put, he put something on them to go into this world. It was never meant, you were never meant to have that, but it was necessary to survive in this world. There was a skin, there was an, an, an animal skin, a, a, a nature, so to speak, that you needed to go, to go through this world. So there is an instinct, and yet we cannot be led by those Right? Your instincts, I told you uh, some months ago that there is a natural fear that tells you that cliff is dangerous. Right? But if you are, are full, always let that instinct lead, who has an unnatural fear? Who has an unnatural fear to cross bridges? Lena. I'm picking on you because you're going to get over that. You're going to drive across that bridge. Dawn too. Dawn's like, I don't like being in this lane. You know what I do? What lane do I drive in? I don't do that. Um, it's not to be a pest, I swear. It's because that's ridiculous. <laughs> Worst case is that we crash, we go over, we die. We go to heaven. That's, I think that's amazing. I mean, I want to do it before my time, but I mean, that's the worst case scenario. That's not going to happen. And so the, the instinct is what's, it's, there's a necessary, Jesus said we need to be as gentle as doves, but as wise as serpents, okay? So there is an instinct that, that you have to go into this world. You didn't need it in God's perfection. You didn't need it in God's, in God's original design, but there is a skin. There is, a, there is something that you have, but it cannot rule over you. It is not meant, see, see, they had no knowledge. They didn't even know they were naked. It wasn't like, you know, oh, everybody was naked, and everybody's like, whoa, everybody's naked, they were, their eyes opened. There was, a, you know, they grew up. There were little children that just grew up instantly. Their eyes were open. And so the Lord has put an instinct, but that instinct can't rule. And the devil, what he's going to try to do is to get those instincts to rule. He's going to try to get you to live by those things, which is a twisting. It's just a twisting. The same way that they got out in the first place was he twisted. And so God gave them some instincts. You need to understand now that the lion is not your friend anymore. The serpent, we're not going to be talking to serpents anymore, Adam and Eve. Serpent's going to try to kill you. Serpent's going to try to bite your heel. So he gave them an instinctual nature like an animal. Is this making sense? We get this. I mean, I don't have time. I could really go through this. Who knows I can? <laughs> Who knows I can really go through it? But I, I just don't want to do that today. That's not today's sermon. We can go through that another time. But, so, but the devil will try to twist and turn it and get you to rely solely on those things and to lean on that and to say, okay, now I'm going to let those things lead me. Those things, they cannot lead you. You cannot be led by those feelings and by your instinctual nature. The animal kingdom can be led. They don't have a soul to be saved, and that's it. That's all they have, but you must be led by the Spirit of God, and not just because uh, of what Jesus did on the cross, but because Jesus promised it's not just the cross, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. He tells him in the book of John, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. He's with you, but he's going to come inside you and he's going to help you. 
He's going to help you get through every situation, every single thought, even the thoughts can be sorted out by the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? Even your thought life, the Holy Spirit will show you, hey, that's you, that's flesh, that's your plans, this is God. This is God's plan. That's your nature, this is God's nature. (laughs) That's uh, hurt, and that's rebellion, and that's pride, and this is humility and love and grace. And so he says that there's a people that they rely on on their instincts. And in verse 17, he says, but my dear friends, you must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you that in last times there would be scoffers or mockers and whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. In the last days, who believes that we are closer to the end than we were yesterday and when Jude wrote this 2,000 years ago. If he wrote about the last days 2,000 years ago, I would say that we are there. We are there. Will you live to see Jesus return in the clouds as promised in the word? I don't know because it doesn't tell us the day or the hour, but he is coming. We are getting closer. He is approaching. He is coming and we are approaching him. Either way, clocks are ticking, right? Amen. And so he said that these people, verse 19, what happens is because it's just their, their nature and they're just led by their animal nature. It's their thinking, their instincts, their feelings, and it's all a big twisted mess. And I don't want to preach more on this today, but I just want to leave it at that. They follow, verse 19, they, it's, a, it's a dividing thing. It's dividing. What's the division? Because there is soul and there is spirit. There's a division because it's their nature, it's their survival instinct, and the spirit. And it creates this dividing war, this fighting, and it says they follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. So there is the animal thinking, there is God's nature. The two are at war. All right, there is the nature of man and there is the nature of God. And it says that the Amplified, we have the Amplified still on here, right? It says in verse 19, it says that divisions, they're sensual creatures, they're carnal, worldly-minded people. They're devoid of the Holy Spirit and destitute of any higher spiritual life. But Jude doesn't leave us there. Jude tells us all about the issue. He says, Right, a verse earlier in verse uh, two or three, it says, I wanted to talk to you about salvation and I had to deal with this. But then he says in verse 20, and this is where we didn't get to really last week, and I want to go from here. But you, dear friends, everybody say you, that means me. Everybody say that means me. Okay, so he says you, he's talking to you right here in this church. You must build each other up in your most holy faith Um, Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. And verse 22 says, And show mercy to those whose faith is 
wavering. And in verse 23 in the Amplified says, strive to save others, snatching them out of the fire, and others take pity, but with fear, loathing even the garment spotted by the flesh and polluted by their sensuality. So Jude doesn't leave us there. He said that there's going to be this thing coming. It's going to try to control you. It'll try to control your churches. It's going to try to control your region. But you must build yourselves up. You must pray in the Holy Spirit. And you must show mercy and grace to those who are wavering. And I wanted to point out that there are two things. There is a wavering It says in verse 22 and in verse 23, a sensuality. It's the senses. It's the sensual nature. It's the flesh, the mind, the animal nature, the human nature. And then the the antidote, everybody say the antidote, is the Holy Spirit. It's us leaning on Him, relying on Him. I said that right, right? Okay. It's us leaning on Him, relying on Him, and then letting mercy and grace, and even in verse 23, sometimes even harsh words are needed to snatch them. There's strategy. But we must be in the Holy Spirit. The only way we're going to see the difference is in the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, the delusion is great. It'll come right over you too. The delusion is so great, it'll come right over you as well. You'll just come right into it. And I, and I, I just, I don't want to preach last week's sermon, but I was so amazed as I'm reading Jude and you read all the amazing things that people did. And we talk about Noah and Sodom and Gomorrah. And then he says, murmurers and complainers in verse 16, in the same category. And so our senses is not just, it's not just murder. All right, it is not just dark, dark, dark stuff, but it is, it is any time that you let your nature overrule what God says. Anytime you let your feelings overrule God's word. Anytime you let your feelings overrule, not necessarily just the written word of God, but what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do right now. Sometimes there's not a verse Uh, that's black and white when he says, I want you to go uh, pray for that person right this minute. Let me go read, let me go find that verse in the Bible. Sometimes it's you need to just respond to the Holy Spirit and go pray right then and there. Obviously you're going to find it, but sometimes we just need to be led right then and there. And are we letting our senses rule? Are we letting our nature, our flesh rule? And I've been talking the last couple of weeks that when we when we are tired and when we're cranky and when we're hungry and so on, we feel we have an excuse to lash out, to flesh out, to let the devil be the devil through us. And, you know, usually I find that that's the exact moment that the Holy Spirit is trying to rule. And that's why you're fleshing out so much. The reason why your flesh is boiling up so much and the reason there's so much struggle and strife right now in your flesh is because actually the Holy Spirit's on the move. And uh, the devil is not all-knowing like God. God's got a plan before the devil's plan. So he's knew what he was going to do. And sometimes he, you see this and all you feel is the strife and the frustration and the hunger and the tiredness, but actually the Holy Spirit's doing a work in you. And there's somebody that he's actually trying to get you to. 
But if you just get stuck in your senses and in your feeling and you just get stuck in that place and well, I'm this and I'm that and I'm dealing with this and blah, 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 we never do anything ever. Do you know you could be busy with yourself for the rest of your life? You know how you overcome self? It's very simple. By doing something for someone else, by giving to someone else, by being there for someone else. And you know when it really, really happens that we cross over? When you need you the most. When really you feel like you need to give yourself the most in that moment when you choose then to give, you will overcome self. Self will not control anymore. Because that's the animal nature. That's that nature. Again, the Lord puts skins on, and I want to get into some verses, though, that tell us to take those skins off. It's time to start taking those skins off. God gave them for a season, right? He put the law in stone, and he gave them animal instinct. But do you know we're not supposed to have those things anymore? Where's the law now? Is it on stone? It is not on stone anymore. Now it is written on the softness. It is written in soft. It is soft. It's on your heart. The law is written on your heart, and the animal skins that God clothed you with for a season need to come off. There was a season before Christ, and we cannot receive Christ and still carry that old nature. Come on. Is this making any sense today? Thank you, Dan. Dan's getting it back there. Thank you, Holy Spirit. There's many, many ways I can go, and I'm just listening to the Holy Spirit here. I want you to go to the book of Luke, chapter 5. Luke 5, verse 37. Luke, chapter 5, verse 37. The Holy Spirit is defined, he's defined in our word as many things, and then... uh, Next week is Easter, but I want to just start to touch on some things today, and then I'll go into it after Easter. But I want to give you a preview that the Holy Spirit is defined in our word as, as many things, but what he majors on, what, he's, what he has, what he has um, in the word majority, the majority of it, is the water. Everybody say the water, the new wine, and the oil. And you're going to find a pattern if you go through your word. The Holy Spirit is other things as well, but he is, the majority of the time, he is those things. And uh, I don't have time to get into the water and the oil most likely. So I'm going to talk today, just listening to the Holy Spirit in Luke 5, about the wine. He said, and no one, everybody say, and no one puts on. No one puts on. It's an old wineskin. No one puts on old wineskins. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. No one puts new wine into old skin. You cannot put new wine into old skin. Do you know what the skin was? It was they took the, the lamb skin and they took it while it was fresh. They took a brand new skin, they took it while it was fresh, and they took new wine and they put the two together. The two became one together. 
and the wine would expand. It would continue to ferment in there and expand it. But then you know what happened to that skin after time? It gets hard and it gets dry and it gets stiff, stiff-necked and stubborn and prideful. And if you took new wine again and you put it into that same old wineskin, another dose, the wineskin can't move, it can't budge, it has nowhere to go, it already has formed its patterns. Do you know as human beings that we form patterns? We call them in Christianity uh, mindsets. You know that you have patterns? Who has patterns? Who has things that you do, just it's your, you don't even realize it's your nature. Do you know that you actually respond to people based on other people? Did you know that you actually, and I mean this, I don't, again, I don't have time, but you can go into, you can go into your own study of this. You will treat people and talk to people assuming that they're the other person. Someone talks to you a certain way, treats you a certain way, and it forms patterns in you. In fact, when we are children, when we are babies even, right, right from the womb, we form patterns of how we think and how we perceive things and then how we react based on those things. And then what happens is we get saved. We come to Jesus, and now Jesus begins to work on us, and it's so hard. The only reason it's so hard is because those patterns have been there so long. Well, this is what I've always done. This is the way I do it. This is how I handle this. And the thing is, what we don't realize is, is our human nature is survival. Your human nature is to survive. Your, uh, as soon as you're a child and somebody hurts you, what do you do? Well, I'm not going to get hurt anymore. They're not going to hurt me like that again, right? Am I the only one? I'm just not going to let that happen anymore. So what do we do? We get hard. We put a callus over that area. But that's the area that Jesus wants to work through. Jesus wants to work through love and grace and compassion. And he said, no one can, no one can come to me unless you come like a child. The innocence of a child. The child doesn't even understand wrong yet. But once the innocence starts going, who remembers when your innocence started going, right? When people started hurting you. And those things, then you started getting, you started maturing. And we call that maturity, we call that wising up, we call that street smarts, right? But that's not Christ. That was the devil. That wasn't God. Now, I'm not condemning you here. Don't anybody feel condemned because you were without Christ. And even if you had the awareness of Christ, Christ hadn't completed the work in you yet. Even a child raised in a Christian home, I was raised in a Christian home, but I still, God was still in, <laughs> on the process and he's still working on that process. Even in that Christian home, when people hurt me, I remember as a child in my neighborhood and uh, the friends that I thought I had rejected me, you know, that caused a place in me, a hardness in me to not really trust people for a long, 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 long time. In fact, you know, some people even carry that into their elderly age, even on their deathbed. They'll still tell you what so-and-so did to them when they were 16. Their brother or sister, especially when it's someone who loves them. And we need to break those things because those things are actually keeping you in bondage. And those things are actually distorting God's grace. It, I, I, 
I know that you're saying, well, wait a second. No, no, no. I, I believe in his grace and I love Jesus. And I, but if you let your senses rule, in the simplest sense, if you let your senses rule you, you are missing the fullness of the, of the grace of Jesus Christ, and you are actually restricting Jesus from doing what he wants to do in you. Is anybody getting this today? Thank you, Holy Spirit. He said, for the wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine, and, everybody say, and ruining me. The wine is the Spirit of God, and I want to, well, hopefully we're going to look at that. But just believe me for a minute <laughs> until we get there. And Jesus is your new skin. If you try to do this thing of Christianity and don't fully shed off the old, you have to get rid of that old skin. And then we ask Jesus, send your spirit. Holy Spirit, I want you to do something. Do a work. Do a work in me. Do something through me. And what happens? And we've seen it. Who has seen that? And that is a horrible thing. That is nothing that we should be in pride about. But who has seen someone be filled with the Spirit and never dealt with their nature and they were ruined? Unless you put on a new skin, the wine, the Spirit will be lost. It actually causes tremendous heartache all the way around. People around the whole, I mean, the whole world, especially today, would be aware of those people, aware of the issue, and it destroys families, breaks up so much. And the reason I chose the Luke account is because of this. He says, verse 38, everybody say, new wine must be stored in new wineskins. Verse 39, this is the, and the, as you can find this in the other Gospels, but Luke says, verse 39, no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. The Amplified says, and no one after drinking old wine immediately desires new wine, for he says the old is good or the old is better. We have learned in our nature to do things a certain way. And you know, we get to a point where we say, I don't want your opinion because I've got this figured out. I know it works for me. I know when to go to sleep. I know when to wake up. I know what to eat. I know what not to eat. I know what my body agrees with, my, my body doesn't agree with. I know who to hang out with. I know who not to hang out with. I know how to love. I also know how to hate. I know how to get through. And you know what Jesus wants to do? He wants to take all of that, not some of that. We cannot take, we don't need animal instinct anymore. You are not out on your own because you realize when Adam and Eve went out from the garden and into the world, they didn't have the spirit of God with them. That's what Jesus came to purchase for you. And now if you try to do the Adam and Eve thing, what happened? Come on, what happened? I just said it the last couple of weeks. 
Adam and Eve, they get out of the garden. I think it's chapter 3, right? They're out of the garden. Chapter 6, God's already wiping the whole earth away. Three chapters later, he's washing it away again. Because it wasn't the perfect way. It can get you through. There was many, many men that overcame it, but it was rare at the same time. Enoch walked with God and God took him to heaven. Just said, we're going to just bypass death for you. Not necessary. Why go through all that? Heaven. I wouldn't, that would be nice. But it, there were many, but it's rare. Proportionally, one out of millions upon millions upon millions overcome in their own strength, not in their own strength, but that can really, really dig in without the Holy Spirit and found a way to walk with God. The Holy Spirit made it so easy for us. In fact, I preached some weeks ago that we are without excuse. We are, in fact, without excuse. He made it so easy for you. He said, here's the way, walk in it, and I'll help you walk in it, and anytime you have a question, I'm here to help you. And anytime you get afraid, uh, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and a sound mind. I'm here to help you, to strengthen your mind, to give you strength, and to help you keep going. And anytime that you need love, just come into me, and I'll, and I'll love you, and give you another revelation, and help you to do it, and so on, and so on, and so on, and so on. But our nature says... I like the way things are. And we bring it into our Christianity without even knowing it. Anybody willing to admit that? We bring it in, but then it says this, and I just want to read some verses to just want to read some things here. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We will have an eternal body. Everybody say we'll have an eternal body. What we will have when we cross over is a brand new body. But do you know that before you get the brand new physical skin, you can have a brand new spiritual skin right now? Do you realize that Adam and Eve, oh, we don't even know what they were. I mean, we know that they were human, but I mean, how long were they really in that garden? I mean, what was it like to walk with God? They were human, but they also didn't die. So what did that what did that human look like? I mean, maybe a little bit like us, but remember when Jesus came in the glorified body and they're put their hands in his side. Is there, organ, is there no organs in there? I mean, what's going on? Is it just the spirit? Is it a spirit that looks like us? I mean, your organs are only there for one reason. What is, is what? Right? To process the oxygen in the earth, right? You process that, and then you have the food, you have the water, and they all work together, and then uh, it goes in and goes out. But you don't need to do any of that in your glorified state, and so the, really what you are is a spirit within skin. You are a spirit within a temporary skin. You are a spirit in skin for a season. But really who you are is not you. That's not you sitting here. That's why, you know, even we don't really have 
the you know the the uh, news makes racism much bigger than it really is. But and it's really so ridiculous that we're racist because if you peel back skin, you know every single color, no matter what the color. As soon as you pull back the skin, it's exactly the same muscle structure. It's the exact same person underneath. These are just skins. This is not you. And the devil wants you to think that this person, come on now, let's get deep, that this person that grew up in the Bronx and had to learn life the hard way, right? Had dad teach you some things he should have never taught you. Devil wants you to say, that's you. That's not you. That is not who you are. That is not who you are. And it's time that we get rid of this tent. Come on, that he calls it. This skin, those, those ways that we do things, the way that we handle things, the way that we treat people. The, we have a process, and it's deep within. Who has found that those things are deep within? Or those things are not just on the surface. They are deep within you. But uh, the, the point is, is that there is a skin. There is something that tries to, to identify you. That you're not like her, and she's not like you, and, and that, but we are, we are truly, even in, in the glorification with God, we are without sex. We're not just without color, but we are not even, it's not even male and female. It, it, there, it, we are in a glorified state. We are spirit. Everybody say, I'm spirit. spirit. Your spirit, and so the Holy Spirit is there to help the spirit, but it's within a body. And so he says, he says, we must deal with this body. And so verse two, we grow weary. Who grows weary sometimes in your present state? We grow weary. Come on. They're just like us. You know, he's writing Corinthians, just a man, just like us. Come on. We grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. Amen. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. So verse, the King James Version says in verse 3, so that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. And this is so significant because there is a spirit in you. There was a spirit. God breathed and created a spirit, and it was innocent, and it didn't even know sin. And then it came into this world, and so God put some skin on it. But we need to, when we come into Christ, he has to take those skins off, and then he puts a new skin. Come on, he puts his own skin on you. You take off this skin. You take off your race. You take off your culture. You take off how you were raised and how you were hurt and how you were abused and all of those things. And he doesn't leave you naked. Come on, you're still that that really within you are a naked spirit, but he doesn't leave you there. He will put you, he will put a glorified body that is without hurt, that is without culture, that is without the rights and wrongs of this world, but is his 
kingdom that is in his glorified place of heaven on you. Isn't it amazing? So Ephesians 4 tells us, it says, so, everybody say so. Let's link these together. All right, so there is a spiritual, and I could keep going on. There's more there. There is more. Uh, actually, uh, verse 17, let's just read that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, and then I'm going to move over to Ephesians. It says, this means, everybody say, this means, anyone who belongs to Christ, I'll read the rest. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Anyone who belongs to Christ it is not the old you, and we, we carry the old us. We carry it, and then we try to handle, we try to get through life with what we know works, and it doesn't work. We say, I love Jesus, I love the cross, I come to church, I read my Bible, but then the one we neglect the most is the Holy Spirit who's trying to work on us. And honestly, sometimes I ask, Holy Spirit, why have you held back? Like, why aren't you doing what I, what I see that you promised in your word? And even Jesus said, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will do even greater things than I did, which is hard to fathom. What is greater, greater than raising a man from the dead? And the, you know what the reason why the Holy Spirit has not come in that way yet is because he already told us, if I come and that old wineskin, I'm going to kill you. If you don't deal with your nature, to be honest, if, not that God, God's not a general who says there's permissible loss. All right. There's no such thing as, well, if I lose one, we still won the war. He loves every individual. With that said, okay, with that said, he also is a general. In another sense, he is God, and he's looking at this whole region. He's looking at the whole world around you, and he says, if I really release my spirit in the way that I want to in them, and they don't deal with their nature, they'll be lost, but also everyone around them will be lost. Everyone around them will say, look at that mess. I don't want anything to do with it. Come on, we want God to be glorified on this earth. We want his light to shine. We want to be representations of Jesus Christ. We want to be ambassadors. We want to be light. We want to be salt. And there is only one way. I mean, this is a short, this is only 45 minutes of time that I'm giving you a, a deep theological thought here. So I'm just giving you a blip. But we must get rid of flesh thinking we must get rid of the old life so that the Holy Spirit can truly, truly, I'm not saying that you are unsaved. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit is not there with you, but to be truly filled with the new wine, the way that he wants to fill you, we must get rid of this old person. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has been begun. A new life has begun. Not a new life is finished. A new life has begun. Jesus sparked it. He gave birth to you. Come on, Jesus gave birth to you. If we have the picture of, of Jesus being the firstborn, there is a picture of giving birth. There's a beginning. You were set out there. And many times uh, Christians just say, okay, and that's what we read about in Jude, is they say, okay, 
thank you for your blood, your mercy, and that grace. And they take that grace and they sloppily live and in that grace and just do what they want and the way they think and the way they feel and, and, and are ruled by those things, making a mockery really of Jesus Christ and ultimately then denying him. But we must submit, like it says in Jude, to the Holy Spirit. We must give ourselves fully to him. Let him complete the work that he began. He's faithful to finish what he started. And in Ephesians 4, it says, verse 21, Ephesians 4, verse 21, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Okay, so there was something. You identified yourself with Jesus and something began. Something happened. Come on, amen. Can we testify to this? That something happened when we met Jesus and something began to work in us. And it says, so, since that happened, since you've began this work with Jesus and you've learned the truth that comes from him, verse 22, throw off your old. So wait a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. Ephesians 4, talking to the church. He's talking to Ephesians. He's talking to the church in Ephesians. This was not a letter to the community. Everybody says this was not a letter to the world. This is to the church. It's to those that knew Christ. Ephesians is very, very powerful. It is a book that really is the complete and full gospel of what Jesus did and who we are as Christians. It is to the church. And he tells Christians, everybody say, he told Christians, throw off so there's something Jesus did and then there's something that you must do yourself. Will he leave you there? Well, it's like, it's, it's like the Holy Spirit almost is on the sidelines saying, if I could make it easier, I would, but I can't make it any easier. I'm asking you to do it, but I won't even make you do it on your own. Anytime you need help doing that, I'm here. I'm not asking you to mind over matter and you go figure it out. Come back to me when you're all cleaned up. I love you, you're sanctified, you're set apart, you're my child, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but I'm going to do a work in you, and ultimately, if you will let me finish the work in you, come on, Peter walked with Christ for three years, and even came to this end when he did not, we just watched The Passion of the Christ, and we got to see it, and it's one of the hardest parts of the movie. You know, it's harder than watching Jesus get crucified is seeing, is seeing Peter deny Jesus. But you know what? Peter dealt with that issue. Come on. He didn't stay there. He came to the, that was the end of himself when he just said, never again. Never, ever, ever, ever will I let my flesh, my fear, myself, my senses. Come on, he had, the whole thing has been his senses. Remember, he's walking on the waves, and he saw the waves. He was aware of the wind. He was by feelings. And then he's striking the, the guy's ears, ear off with his, with his senses and his warring. And then he submits to the Holy Spirit. They go into the upper room. He comes out filled with new wine and never, ever, ever goes back. Come on, Amen. Amen. It's time that we submit fully, we throw off, and it says, your former, everybody say, your former way, I like the way the NLT says this, your way of life. Because there's a way, there's just a way we do things, the way we process things, and it, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Verse 23 Instead, everybody say, instead, 
Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. So there's a throwing off, but also it's telling us that the Spirit will do it. It's a throwing off, but let the Spirit renew. Let the Holy Spirit, I will, I will help you. You will be stripped off. Come on, that's what the picture is. We can go into Romans. We can go into Ephesians. We can go into Colossians. Talk about a death. We go into baptism. You know what happens in baptism is spiritually your old self dies. It stays in that water. It stays there. The old you is supposed to stay there. And when you come up, it's the picture of you are naked. You are exposed. When we go into the water, it's even the picture of the bathing. We, we don't do it like this because of human nature there around the pool. But really, there was no humans around. It's really a, it's an unclothing, right? It's a, you go into, when we bathe, when we bathe privately, right? Because we could bathe publicly, but we're still, we have that human nature still. If we were in perfection, it wouldn't matter. We wouldn't even know what naked was. But what do we do when we bathe? We bathe naked, right? It's the picture of just the, of washing off all the filth and all it's the naked before God, but then God clothes you. He puts on, it says that he renews your thoughts and your attitudes. And verse 24, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. What an amazing work he did. What an amazing work that Jesus did for us. And the Holy Spirit is looking to do a work through you. You have been set apart. You have been set with Christ. But you are here so the Holy Spirit can do something through you. That is the completion of the gospel. Only half of the gospel is you dealing with you. The other half of the gospel is what he does through you. Come on, church. And that's not you doing things. We already went over that. You just do things without dealing with you. You try to get to the second half without dealing with the first half, you create a big mess. So you have to deal with self, but that's only part of the journey. Is making any sense today? We get this? We just thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that you are alive and you have life in your word, there is life here today that your word, Lord, is being spoken into our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that what our minds couldn't even understand, Lord, even beyond us, Lord, even beyond me, Lord, today, I thank you that your spirit is ministering to us. And I pray that we'd have the completed full work of the Holy Spirit in us, Lord. And just as they prayed, Lord, long, long ago, Lord, come quickly. Jesus, come quickly. Lord Jesus, do a quick work. Lord, get us, get it over quickly. Do it quickly, Lord. Deal with us. Lord, we want to be used for you. Lord, well, there's still time. We want to seek you. We want to know you. And we want to let you out of us. Well, there's still time, Lord. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you will do it. Holy Spirit, you will not leave us. We are not orphans. We are not alone. We don't have to figure it out. You're going to help us every step of the way. We just give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.